I want to finish off on a sermon I was preaching on last week about guarding your faith. Very important to guard your faith. Have your faith guarded. People are losing their faith left and right. You've got to guard your faith. We found out last week that you can depart from your faith by giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In other words, there's a seducing spirit going around the world that seduces you and it makes you believe something's not true. I mean, that something's not true or makes you believe a lie. And it's called a seducing spirit. And you can depart from your faith. Listen to this seducing spirit. And we also find out you can deny the faith by your works. You can deny your faith by your works. In other words, you can say you're a Christian, but is your work showing that you're a Christian? Or are you denying the faith that you're proclaiming that you are by what people look at you? People are not going to listen to what you say. People are going to watch what you do. People are not going to listen to what you say. They're going to watch what you do. I think it's St. Saint Saint, uh, Cece's. Francis Assisi, or Francis from Assisi, he said that uh, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? It's more important to be doing something that preaches the gospel than to be talking about the gospel. Lead somebody to Jesus Christ by how you act, by your action, by your works. Thank God we're not saved by works, Amen. Can I get an amen on that? All right. I mean, thank God. Come on. We're saved by grace through faith. Through faith. So we got to guard the faith. We got to guard the faith. Now we're in the third part of this. And it starts there in verse 20. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Third thing you need to guard about your faith, we know you can depart from it, you know we know you can deny it, but you can err concerning your faith there in verse 21, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. They've made an error concerning the faith. How did they do that? Well, what are they professing? Look at the end of verse 20. And the oppositions of science, falsely so-called. So there's a science out there. Science is a knowledge of something, a learning of a knowledge of something. There's a science out there that's falsely called science that's really not science. I'm going to give you all a hint of one of these. It's called evolution. The theory, not evolution, the theory of evolution is a science that's falsely so-called. When you get to looking into the, the science of evolution, there's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of things that don't match up. But these guys keep on believing it. Why? Because what did that one guy say? The, one guy, the leading scientist he says, we believe evolution because for to believe God is unthinkable. So in their mind, to believe that there's a God, to believe that God created anything, to them is unthinkable. So they turn to evolution as a religion. They turn to science that's falsely so-called. So if you're a Christian and you start professing something that's a falsely called science, you're erring in the faith. You're an erring in the faith. It's, an, it's what you're professing. Listen, when you profess that evolution is true, you're denying the first six or seven chapters of this Bible. Starting in chapter 1, Genesis 1. You're denying the faith. 
You're denying the Bible. Jesus Christ said in Mark, He said, God did not make so in the beginning. God created them male and female. Jesus Christ was a creationist. He wasn't an evolutionist. He didn't say, in the beginning He created them amoebas, and then they evolved into apes, and then from the apes, they evolved in Neanderthal, and from Neanderthal, here we are today. He said, no, from the beginning God created them male and female. That's what your Savior said. To believe in evolution, you have to deny what the Bible says. You have to deny what Jesus Christ says. Well, you know what I found out living in this world as long as I've lived in? I'll take Jesus Christ and the Bible over any of them fools. Because they are wrong. <laughs> and they're wrong all the time. Look, okay, let me give you an example of this. And I told this to somebody at work the other day. It's like, you notice how they keep going, global warming, global warming, global warming. And we're, it's, it's as coolest as it's ever been. It's freezing all over. Oh, it's global warming. I was telling them, I said, I'm so glad that they're not saying it's global cooling. Because if they were saying global cooling, then God would have the place all heated up, you know? They're fools. Don't listen to what they say. Look at the temperature outside. We're in the middle of August and it's barely getting to 100. It's like God's playing a joke on them. Don't believe what they say. You know what amazes me, guys? It just simply amazes me. How quick people are to take this Bible and throw it out to believe what the History Channel says, what A&E says, what the Discovery Channel says. Why are you so quick to believe what they have to say and to throw out your faith in the Bible? Why so? It shouldn't be that way. I don't know why it is, though. Because the pretty little pictures. The pretty little pictures. And they got all the little pretty pictures and the pretty graphs and the pretty sounds. And it lights up your living room. And you're looking at all the pretty pictures. And it'll lead you straight to hell. <laughs> That's how Satan works. What you got on this side is you got all the pretty pictures coming through the TV screen. Coming, all the pretty, you open up the books and they have all of it drawn out and all the pretty pictures. You know what faith is? Faith is not pictures. You can't see faith, amen. Amen. You can't hear faith. Faith starts right up in here in your heart and moves up to your head. That's why it's so easy to profess something that's wrong and to err concerning the faith. There in verse 21. You want to avoid these things, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of signs falsely so-called. They're going to oppose you. Satan's going to try to... What did Satan fool Eve with in the very beginning? Think about it. What did he get Eve with? He got Eve with, you'll have a knowledge. You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. You want to be more knowledgeable? You want to be smarter? You, and the thing that people hate to look stupid, amen? amen. I think 90% of people who lie is because they don't want to look stupid. That's why they're lying. We're afraid of being called dumb. Listen, just be dumb. It's, you know what? It's just fun to be dumb. Nobody expects nothing out of you. When you're dumb like me, my wife don't expect me to fix nothing around the house. She knows I'm stupid. And when something gets fixed, you know what happens when I do fix something? I love you. That's great. I mean, it's like cheering on a mentally retarded kid or something, you know. Well, that's wonderful, wonderful, you know. She can't believe it. It's amazing because I'm so stupid, you know. But if you're really, really smart, then they expect you to reach another level. One time... I went to this uh, seminar that was held at Adam Street Community Center. And in this seminar, there was a guy going to be there at Adam Street Community. He was going to show how you can believe evolution and the Bible. 
I was like, whoa, man, I gotta go down to this. So I go down there and I'm listening to this guy and he starts showing this stuff. So every chance I get, I raise my hand and I ask him questions like, well, what about this? And what about when the Bible says that? You know what he finally says? He says, well, if you're a Bible literalist, I guess that's how you're going to believe. You know what he just said to me? He said, if you believe every word of the Bible, then that's what you have to believe. But if you don't believe every word of the Bible, then you can believe evolution. So in my heart, I thought to myself, I didn't say it out loud, I behaved. I said, you know what, I'll just stick with this book. And I asked him stuff about the stars forming. He was, oh, they do see stars forming. No, they don't. But you can't argue with this. And there was like 25, 30 people in this room. I can't argue with him. Because see, he's up on front. He's, he's a teacher. He's a professor. And no matter what, I, I'm just some dumb idiot with a Bible that everybody thinks is stupid in there. And I can tell them, no, they haven't seen it. They've got scientists that say this. No, you're, you're wrong. Well, who, who are they going to believe? They're going to believe the guy up there. So, you know what? I finally, they finally end the session, and they're all still in there. And he said, okay, we're going to end here, and I'm going to take some questions and stuff. I'd already asked all the questions. I, he can't teach me nothing else. So I leave. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. When I walk out of that room at Adam Street Community Center, I didn't get three feet out of the room, and I heard them all busting the laugh. They all started laughing. I don't know what happened in there. If he made a noise or said something, they all <laughs> belly laughing and everything. The old dumb idiots left the room. Well, this dumb idiots, I'm going to carry this Bible. And this, I'm just staying an idiot until Jesus Christ comes and gets me back. You see, this book's more precious to me than standing through talking about evolution. Because you know what this book tells me? There's a man named Jesus that loves me. This book tells me that he shed his precious blood for me on the cross of Calvary. This, this book right here says that he loves me and that he wants to save me. Amen. This book right here has all the promises of him building me a home in heaven. Of where my mother's at today. Has all the promises are right here. And you know what I found in 27 years of studying this book? I haven't found this book to be any problems or errors in the book. I found this book to be amazing. So I'm going to stick with this book. And they can do what they want to do. And they can laugh at me and laugh at me. There was a plane, and it had a scientist, a leading scientist of the day. It had a preacher, and it had a young boy scout on it. And as they were flying in this plane, the plane started having troubles, and they're going to go down. And there were only two parachutes, but there was a scientist and a preacher and a young boy scout on there. But there was only two parachutes. So the scientist stands up and says, I'm the leading scientist of our time. I've got to study global warming. I've got to study evolution. I've got all kinds of things I can do for the world. And he reaches down and grabs it. He throws it on his back. And he jumps out the plane before anybody can question you. So the preacher turns to the Boy Scout and says, well, you know, I've led a good life. The Lord's been good to me. Why don't you take the last parachute? The Boy Scout said, oh, there's no problem with that. We've got two parachutes here. And the preacher says, well, I thought there was only two. He goes, there was only two. That scientist jumped out with my backpack. Now listen, that's a joke and it is funny. And of course it's not, it's made up. But that's how scientists live today. They're so afraid of their life. They'll believe anything and jump to any conclusion to get out of where they know they're going. They're in that plane heading to hell. And they'll do anything to get out. And they'll believe anything and put anything on and strap anything on jump out of that plane. Thinking they're saving their life when literally they're not saving their life. 
they're damning their soul to hell. Listen, I'm not trying to preach hard at you. I'm trying to preach the truth. And some have erred concerning the faith because they're professing something they shouldn't be professing. What are you professing? What does a professor do? A professor professes something. What are you the professor of? I hope you're the professor of Jesus Christ. I hope you're professing Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe. I mean, you don't have to understand everything in this book. You don't have to understand how everything works. You don't have to. Listen, they don't either. You, you think they understand gravity? No. They, they say, okay, this is gravity. This is how it works. Do they understand where it comes from? No. They can't explain it. They just give names to it. So since they've named it, that makes them smarter than you. No, it don't. No, it don't. You know what they say about education? When you go to college, all you're learning how is is to, is to give technical names to things. A lot of that's true. Learn to put technical names on the things. And that's what a lot of scientists do. Oh, they got it named. And I'm not saying they've got some smart scientists. They really, they've, they've found some great things. But when you, den- when you take science over the Bible, you're leading yourself down a primrose path to hell. You are. And I've seen it over and over again. So we need, to keep, we need to keep that in mind. Look at this next one. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 18. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 18. Here's another way you can have your... Some, there's another way, reason why you need to guard your faith. And we can find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18. Who concerning the truth of erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and, and overthrow the faith of some. So some of these people had their faith overthrown because they're believing that the resurrection is past already. The second coming of Jesus Christ took place, and everybody's already been resurrected and out of here, and that's what some people were teaching at the, at the time. It was called a false doctrine. It didn't happen that way. And Paul said, you know what, they've... They're erred and they've had their faith overthrown. See that? And overthrow the faith of some. You need to guard your faith because you can have your faith overthrown by believing false doctrine. Now, guys, this is an important one. I don't know how many people I know that get into false doctrine that can't be proven out of the Bible and people say it and they just believe it. Or some person will come up to you, knock on your door, be it a JW, a Jehovah's Witness, or a Mormon, or whatever it is, and they'll show you one verse out of the Bible, and they'll try to overthrow your faith. In other words, you've got your faith, that's how take it and overthrow it and turn it upside down. You don't know what's going on. You know how to guard yourself from this? Look at verse 15. Go about, skip up to verse 15. Study, study, study to show thyself approved unto God. You want God to be approved of you? Study the Word of God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Paul says you've got to rightly divide it. You've got to split it up. You've got to divide it up. What God told Adam and Eve is not what God told you. You get that simple truth, amen? amen. No, God didn't come down and tell you, Kagan, yes, sir. go down and multiply and replenish the earth. God never said that to me. God never called, called me and said, hey, Keegan, yes, sir, don't eat of that tree right there. What God told Adam and Eve is not what he told Keegan. God didn't tell me to keep the Ten Commandments. But he told Moses to and the Jews, amen. 
It's simple division. And when you get the simple division down of rightly dividing the word of truth up and simply to say, okay, who's God talking to? Why is he talking to? And when you start dividing this up, it clears all this mess up. And you won't believe all this weird false doctrine because you've got the book. you got the words of God. You know what I found out about false doctrine? Over the years studying it, and Dr. Upman will tell you this, and he knows it better than me, is when you get to studying it, you'll know what you'll find out? They change the Word of God. They'll, they'll take a verse, and they'll say, see, that's what that says. You look at it, say, no, that's not, that's not you're, you're, you're changing this Word. Or you're, cha- you're, you're changing this Word here. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, that's, not, that's r- really what that really means. That's what they'll say. What that really means... Uh, I tell you what, I'll just be stupid and I'll just believe what it says. You'll run on. Because you're not going to overthrow my faith by giving me some false doctrine. You know how hard it would be on Christians to think that Jesus Christ had already come, resurrected, and gone? It was hard on them. And that's what Paul's warning them. Man, that, that's messed up. Who concerned the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and have overthrew the faith of some. Verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God knows what's going on. God knows who's his and who's not. You need to guard your faith, guys, because you can have your faith overthrown. You can have, you can err in the faith. But professing something that's not true, you can have your faith departed from. You can depart from your faith and you can die. Deny your faith. Now, lastly, look at this last one. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to close here. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll close here. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. Now this is Paul speaking. Paul's the greatest Christian to ever live. No, hardly anybody would argue with me about that. Paul's the greatest Christian to ever live. He's about to be killed. For believing in Jesus Christ. That's what's happening to some of my brothers and sisters over in Iraq this morning. This last week. This last month. They've been killed because they believe Jesus Christ. They've been crucified. They've had the heads blown off. They've had their kids cut in half. While we sit in this air-conditioned room. It really makes you wonder what we're doing for the Lord. But as Paul's sitting here and he's about to be offered up. Look at verse 6. For I, this is 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. And we'll close here in these verses. For I am now ready to be offered... As a living sacrifice, Romans 12. A living sacrifice, he's ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. What's that sound like? Sounds like an airplane taking off, doesn't it? The time of my departure. You ever go to the airport and they say, the departure's ready. The departure for Brownwood, Texas, loading up for Dallas, Texas. Departure at 7-something-something-up, whatever time. You ever been to the airport and heard that? Departure for Orlando. The time. Of my departure is at hand. Now listen to me guys. I don't know when your departure is. I don't know what God's got time. What time God's set for your departure. It might be tonight. It might be six years from now. It might be a week from now. But listen. Everybody I know is going to depart. As 100% guaranteed you're going to die. Unless Jesus Christ comes back before then. But if you're sitting in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to depart. What does that mean, Brother King? That means your body's going to... And you're going to take your last breath. And I'm here to tell you, when you've been in a room and somebody takes their last breath, you know it. And their soul's going to come out, or your soul's going to come out of your body. 
And either you're going to be carried up to heaven to be with Jesus Christ and it's going to be a glorious reunion or you're going to be dragged down into hell. You're going to load up on one of the two planes. Your departure is at hand. And Paul says, my departure is at hand. Verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now I'm trying to preach to you about guarding your faith. And the last thing you need to know is you need to keep your faith. You need to keep it. You got something precious to you? We all do, amen? You might have some gun. It might be some piece of jewelry. It might, I don't know what it is. But you keep it, don't you? You make sure when you're not around, it's locked up, don't you? You put it in a safe, maybe? You lock it up? You keep that faith. You've got to keep your faith. You've got to keep it locked up. You've got to keep it in the hands of Jesus Christ. You've got to guard your faith so you won't deny it. You won't depart from it. You won't err in the faith. That you won't do these things that will destroy or have your faith overthrown. You've got to keep this thing. And the way you're going to keep your faith is what Paul said. I have fought a good fight. You're going to have to fight for your faith, Christian. You willing to die for your faith? They're dying over in Iraq. They're putting bullets in their heads simply because they believe in Jesus Christ. Man, do we have that kind of faith? I don't know. And somebody busted in that back door and said, if you, know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, raise your hand and I'm going to blow your head off. Would you raise your hand? Let me tell you a story. I was told this is true. The brother that told me this story had it from a good source, but I've never heard any other stories like this before. This Down in Mexico, this gang broke in, the Zetas. And they broke in the church, and they came into the church, and they came up and they called the... They, they, they come up to the church, they came up and they said, where's the pastor? And nobody answered. And the pastor stand up and he goes, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you want to die, then come on down here. And the pastor was the only one to come down to the front. And the pastor came down the front and he stood next to that, that, that gangster. And the church, three or four of them in there with machine guns. If you, want to believe, if you believe in Jesus Christ, come on up front here and die for him. And be shot for him. And the pastor's the only one that stood up and walked down. The rest of the congregation stood still. So you're saying you don't believe in Jesus Christ? And they're all sitting out there and nobody said anything. You willing to let him die? And he just stood up there and the gangster said, kill him. And I was told that the gangsters turned and they killed everybody in the church but the pastor. And he said, they shouldn't be alive if they don't believe what they're practicing. And the gangster left and left the pastor. And the pastor's the only one that stayed alive. Where's your faith at this morning? Is it guarded? Are you keeping it? Are you fighting for it? I have fought a good fight. When's the last time you fought for your faith? Put up a fight for it. You know what I know about a fight? You fight, you hit, you hit, don't you, amen? But you know what I know else about a fight? You get hit. I've seen very few fights where somebody else doesn't, where both guys don't get hit. And when you're in this fight for your faith, you might be swinging, but bam, you will be getting ready, you're going to get hit. You know what else I know about a good fight is? When you get knocked down, you get back up. 
In a good fight, when somebody gets knocked down, what makes a good fight? When that guy gets back up, oh man, something stirs in you, doesn't it? That guy gets knocked down and he finds a way to get back up and he's trying to fight him off. You're like, oh, go, go, go. That's a good fight. And maybe you're in here this morning, you've had your faith. You've had your faith denied. You denied your faith. You departed from your faith. Maybe something's happened to you and you had your faith knocked down and you're laying in the dirt. Let me tell you something, Christian. Let's get back up and fight. He's worth fighting for. You know what makes a really good fight? It's not competition, amen. It's not, well, this guy's real skilled. And you know what I love about a good fight? A good fight is when two people don't like each other. That makes a good fight. Right? Amen. amen. I don't see somebody out there competing. Come on, Joe. I like it when they come out there. Your mama this, your mama that. Well, you know, here they go. They don't like each other. It's a good fight. Listen, you need to have an attitude that I don't like you, you deny Jesus Christ, and I'm fighting you. I'm going to fight a good fight. And our warfare is not with this and this, is it? Amen. It's with this. And I'm going to stand up for Jesus Christ. I'm going to fight against you because I believe in this. That don't mean we hurt them physically, amen? That don't mean we take a gun or we take our fist or we take a club. We fight a fight with the Word of God. But we got to fight. Let's not roll over and show our belly and give up. That's not a good fight. Let me tell you the last thing about a good fight. It's not how it starts. It's how it ends. I've seen so many fights. You get up there, the guy starts out. And you've just seen this guy. And he's like in UFC. And he's just whipping him. Wow, beating him out. That guy falls down. His face is cut up. His face is swollen. He's fighting. And that one guy, I saw a fight last night. Just like what I'm describing to you. Guy came in there and he was manhandling this guy. Oh, he was throwing him around. Had him up against the cage. Punched him. That guy's face was cut here. He had blood going down everywhere. You know what happened in the middle of the ring at the very end of the fight? The very end of the fight, you know what happened? That guy that was getting beat up the whole fight, you know what he did? He went like this. One punch. Hit that guy's chin that was winning the fight the whole time, and that guy just went, crumpled down. One punch. What happened? He jumped on him. The referee stopped it. Who won the fight? The guy that got beat up the whole fight. (laughs) Why? Because he threw that one punch. He stood in there. He kept getting back up. He kept getting back up. He kept getting back up. Guys, it looks like we're losing the battle. Sometimes you look at this fight we're fighting, you're going, brother, Keegan, it's just a lost cause. It sure seems that way, doesn't it? I don't think we're going to win. It sure seems like we're going to lose, doesn't it? But when we have that one punch Jesus Christ show up, we're going to win the fight. When Jesus Christ shows up, we've won the fight. So let's just keep hanging in there and keep getting back up until our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes back then we're going to win the fight. Amen. Amen, we're going to win the fight. If you don't know my Savior Jesus Christ, this is an invitation. This is an opportunity for you to accept Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to put anything on, to, on you, but I'm trying to tell you the truth. The Bible says, without Jesus Christ, you're doomed and damned to a devil's hell. I don't take any pleasure in telling you that. I think my father might be in hell today. I don't know. But I know what the Bible says about heaven. And it says if you want to go to heaven, if you want to get to heaven and want to live for eternal, for 
eternity. You want to live, have eternal life. It's only found in Jesus Christ. So well, what do I have to do, Brother Kim? Do I have to stop drinking? Do I have to stop smoking? Do I have to stop? No. You just simply have to come down and ask Jesus Christ to save you. And by faith, take Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says if you'll do that, He'll save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're reading it right up here. I'm glad Jesus came. Glory to His name. Oh, what a friend Hi, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. We want to thank you for tuning in this morning. And our deepest hope and prayer out here is that you'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's real easy to do. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that He died on the cross for your sins. Believe that He was buried. And on the third day, He rose again to live forevermore. If you go to him in prayer and ask him the best way you know how to save you, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ will save your soul. And if you'd like to contact us, you can contact us through the web at IndianGapBaptist.com. It has all our information how to get to our church. That's IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless. Of all heaven and earth is